Amen. Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, uh, we are in this digging in series, doing the Ephesians uh, text. And um, yeah, I think you guys did a pretty good job figuring it all out, the, uh, the uh, memorization part. And we're not, we're not memorizing it for any reason other than to, so that it just gets deeper and further into us. And so many folks are, the, you know, Danny's always like, oh man, I remember I got marched in front of the church growing up and I had to, I had to uh, uh, recite the verses and it just brings back all kinds of trauma for me. We're like, okay, well, you don't need to memorize it then. So that's all we needed was you, Danny. The first couple was all, all you got to do. And now you're out. Don't worry about it. We're never going to call on you again. Where's this thing that's coming? I see a yellow. Okay, there. There, I'm all good. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to Zoom. It is fun to have, uh, uh, I see the, the lovies from Hungary. I see, and I know like Eddie and Terry always get called out for being in LA and now they're like, somebody from Hungary. So we got like, we got people from Texas. We got people from Davis. We've got a couple people from the East Coast. That was just what I saw this morning. So kind of fun that all of us are able to gather no matter where we are physically. Well, we are in the series called Digging In. And uh, as you know, this, this sort of franchise, this branding that we do once a year, digging in, it's where we get into the scriptures and we go all the way deep into a passage of scripture and just see what God has for it and mine it for all that it's worth. And this is digging in is our prayer for MCC. And it's from these few verses just in Ephesians chapter three. It's our prayer for MCC. It's what Paul prays for the Ephesian church and we end up being able to kind of tap into that and go, yeah, so what do you have God for us at MCC out of this? And so I wanna read the text together and um, uh, you can practice your uh, recitation of it, but um, here's the scriptures, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, there you go, Danny, that's all you need. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the word of the Lord. Is that just not a rich passage? That's our longing for you. That's our heart for you. And again, as, as, uh, as uh, we were talking about before, Ben, ben talked about his, his, his longing to pray for them. And, uh, and then Shelly preached on that how all this is coming out of this glorious riches of God. And so I just want to focus on this phrase this morning, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why don't you say that with me? He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Well, why don't we put it all together with the first part too? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Did it disappear from the thing? I, I, I had to memorize it right there. Here, let's put it back up, Rick. There you go. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now we're going to do a little Bible study. So I hope you got your uh, devices ready. You've got some Bibles out. You're you're ready to dig in. We've got so much scripture that I want to look into just from this passage and the ways in which it relates to scripture all over the uh, biblical text. Hey, you know, do you want to know something? If you really want to know somebody, 
If you really want to understand them, ask them this question. Ask them the question, when you wake up in the middle of the night and then you can't go back to sleep because it is now game on inside your head, what is it that you're thinking about? What is it that you're carrying? What is it that you're worrying about in the middle of the night? You see, this is sort of the the deepest things. These are the things that we end up praying about. This is where the rubber meets the road in our relationship with God. That when we wake up, we go, okay, this is the stuff I'm carrying. And it kind of tends to be two things in my experience when I talk to people. And by the way, here's some conversations I had just this week. People carrying grief over the loss of a loved one. People feeling lonely and isolated during this time. People wondering if their business was going to survive. People wondering if their finances were going to be okay. People feeling, carrying the weight around a potential job change and a decision ahead. People wondering if they were going to get sick. People who have gotten sick and are hoping that they'll be able to get well. Those are things that people carry. Those are things that are just the internal fears. And then there's the outside stuff too that they're thinking about. This is, I talked to a teacher who was longing to help their kids thrive in their educational setting that they were in. I talked to somebody who wanted to love their wife well during this season. I talked to somebody else who was carrying the weight of their kids, their adult kids in this case, and their relationships with God and their emotional and spiritual health. I talked to somebody else who just wanted more of Jesus and felt stuck. Those are the things that keep us up at night. See, this is what we tend to ask God about. It's the things that we're longing for and they seem sort of out of reach for us or the things that we just think to ourselves, I, period, can't, period, even, period. I can't do it. I don't, I don't have that in me. And so what we're asking for is strength. What we're asking for is power to come from God to us. We lay awake at night and we say, God, I can't even. I can't deal. I don't have this in me. Would you come and meet me in this? That's what this text is about, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. It's about asking for strength because it's what we need from God. The fear inside that we would not have what it takes to face everything that is in our way, in our journey, on our plates. So we're gonna do a quick Bible study through this passage, this, these few words. And I have four things that I wanna point out to you about this text. So if you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, this is what we learn about this text, about the strength and the power that we need. Number one, his power is made manifest in us and through us by his Holy Spirit who indwells us. Look at that again. His power, the power that we're looking for is made manifest in us and through us to others, to the world by his Holy Spirit who indwells us. I'm just getting excited about 101, by the way, as I'm starting to think about it because we're gonna talk about this thing. But his power is made manifest in us and through us by his Holy Spirit. That's, you see that in the text that with that, it just says it real plainly, right? That he may strengthen you with power. How? He may strengthen you with power by his Holy Spirit in your inner being. That's what the text says. Through a spirit in your inner 
being. Now listen, I want to I want to I want to talk about this because th- this idea that his power is made manifest in us through us by the Holy Spirit is something that sounds sort of fundamental, but I I don't want you to miss it. You see, this isn't about sort of elusive positivity, you know, that we're going to be strengthened from God because we just know he's there or somebody who sort of um, uh, conceptually goes, well, my faith, my faith strengthens me. No, this is more than theology. This is more than positivity. This is actually a personal presence of God within us, his spirit in your inner being, the text says. Now, I'm I'm not going to talk much more about the Holy Spirit because Ben has the next phrase in our text, which he's going to talk about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That's next week. And so he's going to pick that up and talk more about it. But I don't want you to miss the basic theology that the Holy Spirit is God's agent of power. His power and strength that we need comes through his Holy Spirit who indwells us. Now, remember that we receive that Holy Spirit when we say yes to the gift of salvation in Jesus. Look at this verse in in Acts chapter 2. This is when they had heard, people had heard that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he was the Messiah. And they said, so what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Turn from how you've been living without God. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you've made that commitment to Jesus, when you've become a Christian, when you've been born again, when you've said yes to the gift of Jesus, it says then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Put that back up there, Rick, for us to see that last phrase. Sorry, I spoke over it. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. It's God's agent of power within us. Now, that that passage might have thrown a few of you off because you're like, repent, what's that word mean? And that means to turn and go the other way. I've been living without God. Now I'm going to turn and give my life to him and I'm going to live for him. That's what repent means. And be baptized is in there. It's not always connected to the Holy Spirit coming. They don't always throw baptism in there. But Peter did when he was preaching in Acts because he's saying, listen, if you're sure that Jesus is your savior and you're sure that you've given your life to him, and that's what baptism is, is saying, look world, I'm going to go into the waters of baptism as a symbol that I have died and I'm alive with Christ. I've given my life up to Jesus and received the life that he's given me. I've been washed clean of my sin by the blood of Jesus. Oh, if you're like, oh, much, too much, too much. Yep, 101 is for you. But this idea that if you have said yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Again, Ben will come back to more of that next week. But that idea that his power is made manifest through his Holy Spirit in us, it is about God's very real presence. Again, not the concept, oh, God is real, that somehow strengthens me. No, no. God's real inside of us. And that is true power within us. That's first point in the text. Second thing that the text teaches that God alone is the source of the strength that we need. God alone is the source of the strength that we need. You see that in the text where it just says he may strengthen you. Don't miss every word when we study scripture and dig down deep. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit. 
in your inner being. He may do it. It's about God strengthening us. His prayer wasn't, and our prayer for you, MCC, is, is not, I pray that you're going to get stronger. It's, I pray that he will strengthen you. I pray that God's going to do his thing. It's a little bit of a subtle difference, but not so much when you stop to think about it because we tend towards self-effort. And the truth of the matter is this isn't not about self-effort. This is not about, I pray you get stronger. I pray you grow. I pray that you're closer to Jesus. I pray that you're more holy. I pray that you're more of a Christian. Like that's not what this is about. This is, I pray that he may strengthen you, that he may bring his power to you, that it comes from God. Because when we do the self-effort thing, you guys, it is so self-defeating. Mostly because it distances us, distances us from God himself. It distances us because it does it in two ways. First, what it does is that when we do self-effort, like I got to be a better Christian, I got to be a better person, I got to grow spiritually. When we try to do things on our own power, it distances us from God first because we end up just doing religion. We're like, the more I do, then the better I must be about it. I hope I get it right. And so we're just sort of operating on our own. And when the result, it's kind of cynical and kind of depressing, but the truth is I just don't get a whole lot better. And you don't get a whole lot better. I I don't need you to be self-improving. I need some God power in you. People are going to be who they are. People do self-improvement. People change. But the greatest change that comes in people's lives is by God bringing his power in us. And so there's this distance where we kind of get cynical and we get disappointed that we're like, oh, I hope I get it right, but I don't know. I'm not changing. Every year I'm the same person. And the other way that it distances us when we do this self-effort thing is that we think, oh, he's got to be awfully disappointed with me. I mean, I'm sick of me. I'm disappointed in me, but he, he's got to be disappointed with me. So I'm going to give up trying to be anything more than the same old lame person that I am. That's what happens when we're on our own. The scriptures teach that John 15, five is Jesus teaching. He says very simply, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Look at the metaphor. If you remain in me and I in you, if we're attached, then you will bear fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You're fruitless. You can do nothing. It's sort of a jarring truth, but it's there. It's let's get over church, our self-effort, our self-improvement. It's not about what we can do or who we can, how we can change or what we can do um, become. It is about a connection to God's very real presence and power. So God alone is the source of the strength that we need. And this is, this is kind of, a, this is what, uh, why I always talk about the hundred days. You know, the hundred days are the hundred days where somebody comes into my uh, office with a problem in their marriage or a, a, a habit that they can't get over or a struggle that they're dealing with. And they expect that having an appointment with a pastor is going to fix it. And I know it's not because they've already been in Ben's office and he's like, I, I got nothing for you. They are who they are. So now they come to my office and they sit down and they're like, we need to fix this. And so I always, I find myself going, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't know how to improve you. But what I do know is what if you every day for a hundred days crawled out of bed and got on your knees in humility and said, oh God, my effort is not bringing the healing, the change, the transformation 
the clarity that I need. I need you. Every day, 100 days. What would it be like if that is what we tried to do and allowed, said to God, you're the source of power. You alone are the source of strength. So listen to yourself. Do you see yourself as being in a walk with God, receiving his power? Or do you see yourself as working on getting stronger? See, God alone is the source of our strength. Third, the text goes on. But while God is the source, here's the third point. While God is the source, you actually receive and possess God's strength. Now, I know this sounds like a contradiction at first, but let's look at it. While God is the source, you actually are the recipient of it. You receive it, and then therefore you possess God's strength. It says that. It says that he may strengthen, the text says, you with power. I pray that of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. While God's the source, we actually do receive the power. We possess it. We become an agent of it. We don't become just passive objects of of God doing his thing, moving us around like chessboard pieces. No, you actually do become strong. You do possess power or you'd be helpless to be obedient. You'd be helpless to sustain any transformation. You'd be helpless to follow God out of your own free will if you didn't end up possessing power. Two texts that I want to point out about this that make this point clear from Philippians chapter four. Paul's talking about being grateful for the, for the, the gifts that people gave him. He goes, I, but I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then look at verse 13. I can do all this or I can do all things, other translation says, through him who gives me strength. I can do it. I can. I can do it through the strength that God gives me. You see that there's a possession of it? That Paul doesn't just say, listen, I can't do anything, but God comes through and gives me strength and, and his strength works in me. No, that's true. But he also goes, and then I'm strengthened and then I'm transformed. And so I can do it. You guys, we got to talk about the first one first, which is that God alone is the source of the strength by his Holy Spirit. Cause it's not about you. You're not all that in a bag of chips. We know that. But the truth of the matter is then when we do walk humbly with our God every day on our knees saying, I need you, I need your power, then he gives it to us and we possess it. We receive it, we possess it, and we become agents of it. And Paul says, I can do all these things. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, very similar teaching. This is Paul wanting to be free from his a burden that he had, probably a physical healing that he wasn't getting. And this is what he says about what Jesus said to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, so therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's the first part. But look what he goes on. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Read it with me, church. For when I am weak, then what? I am strong. Nine out of ten times when I hear people quote that verse, they say, 
For when I am weak, he is strong. That's not what Paul says. We already clarified that God's strong, but God gives you strength so that you possess it. He goes, when I am weak, I am strong. Like I, I'm strong. Like God gives me strength. Why am I beating this poor dead horse? You guys, because when we get stuck in the spiritual inferiority complex, we tend to think to ourselves, I'm just so useless, forget it. And maybe if God pours out of heaven and once in a while just overwhelms me with his power, then some good fruit might happen. But I'm nothing, I'm useless, and I'm bound to fail. And that is not the victorious life that God gives through his Holy Spirit in his people to live. That's not what he's done. He has given us not a spirit of timidity, but of power. He's given us his power inside. And so we end up lowering our sights if we're not careful as to our glory as spirit indwelt agents of beauty and fruit and transformation and change and healing. Like we're his agents of that power in the world. And if we're like, oh no, I'm worthless, then we're not doing that work in the world. We possess his power. He gives it to us. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in me. So the three points so far, his power is made manifest in us by his Holy Spirit who indwells in us. Ben, Ben, we'll talk more about Holy Spirit. God alone is the source of that strength that we need. But while he's the source, three, we actually receive it and possess it and become agents of that strength. And I want to end with this fourth point from this short phrase, that our strength is a glorious incomparably great, raise the dead kind of strength. Come on, somebody give me an amen now because we're about to preach in the last three minutes here. Our strength that he does give us to possess is a glorious, incomparably great, raise the dead kind of strength. All the text says is that he'll strengthen you with power. Let's talk about that power because it is glorious. That's what the text has said to us so far that he prays that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen us with power through his inner being. Yep, there's an echo of that in a lot of different places in scripture that we are going to receive great and glorious power. This isn't scarcity. This isn't a whiff of the Holy Spirit from time to time. Like I I wonder, I hope that God is gonna give me a little nugget, a little help. Otherwise I'm left to this terrible place that I find myself day in and day out. No, no, no. This is a power by his Holy Spirit in us that is glorious and incomparably great. I want to drill down a little bit into it. Look at Ephesians chapter one, two chapters before. This is what he says. This is another prayer he's praying for the Ephesians. Maybe we'll preach this one after. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There it is again, right? And look at this. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, wait a minute. Do Bible study, church. It's incomparably great power, but look at the next phrase. That power is like what? What's it like? It's the same as the strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Whoa. Our strength is a glorious, 
incomparably great, raise the dead kind of strength. Now, this is why I want to preach this to you because Paul is making a crazy, singularly dramatic point in his description of the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. And that is that it's glorious. Yes, meaning, whoa, it's beyond, it's from heaven. It's, it's huge. It's mind-blowing. It's incomparably great. Yes, meaning we can, it's just, there's no power like it in the universe because it's God power, but don't miss it. That power is raise the dead kind of power. Meaning everywhere there is death, sin, brokenness, separation from God. That's what death is in the scriptures. Everywhere that there is death, we bring the power of life. We have raised the dead power within us. So all the stuff that's dead within us, all the stuff that is dead and broken in the world, God's life giving power comes. Friends, we have left ourselves for dead and figured we'll never be any different than we are right now. We won't find healing. We won't get over those issues. We won't find transformation to be like Christ. We won't change to be deeper uh, and and more careful lovers of the world and of our families and of our, uh, we just go, I'm, I'm broken. Oh no, he's got resurrection power for that dead place. Friends, we've given up the world for dead. We look at the world and we go, it's just too big. It's just too much. There's, Where there's death, he brings life by his Holy Spirit in us and then through us into the world. So we get to charge out into the world being restorers, resurrectors, life givers, church. That's what we get to be. That's our legacy. That's our calling. That's what the text teaches, that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen us with power raise the dead kind of power through his spirit in our inner being. And then we get to be agents of that life from death. So that's the takeaway today. That's the takeaway today. That you would understand that everything that is broken within you can be healed, can be empowered, can be restored, can be resurrected by his Holy Spirit who indwells you. Receive that gift, church, and ask him to do that healing. And everything that is broken in our world and in our systems can be resurrected and restored by his church who are agents of resurrection power. He gives this incredible God does picture of this reality. And just as we transition back to worship, I want to read this text from Ezekiel where he gives a picture of this to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel's speaking, prophesying, and sending this message to the Israelites that have been exiled. They've, the temple is destroyed in the promised land. They've been cast away into far-flung lands. They have dishonored God, many of them. Their leaders have gotten corrupted. They feel far away from the Lord. They're not receiving the blessings that they thought that they would receive as God's people. Their world is broken and in chaos. And the picture is that there's just death and separation. But God at the end of the book of Ezekiel says, now listen, I want you to tell them that there's life that will come because of my grace. Hear this text as we enter in to some worship and close our our morning. From Ezekiel 37, 
The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel said, and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. In other words, they'd been dead and gone for a long time. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And of course the answer is, man, there's death there. But Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you, you would alone know that. And so then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, say to them this truth, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath, that's Holy Spirit, friends, in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesied, there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, And breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of God. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up out of them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Restoration, resurrection, power within and through his church. That's us. Let's worship the God who is present in that way.